and kitties, books and movies. Yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. No one's drinking alcohol this time. I drink alcohol while I watch this movie. Good job. Healthy choices, everyone. (laughs) I was fully awake and enthralled during this movie. And the movie cut out like halfway through when we were there. What? And we just sat there for like 20 minutes while they figured it out. No, I was like, um, can I get a free ticket to come see something else for this inconvenience? You were like, is this art? I don't understand. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> they said suddenly every projector in the entire movie theater <laughs> went out. And I was just like, that seems like a poor design choice. Do you have every projector on the same circuit? Like, what? <laughs> Why? That's real dumb. Also, I guess that means you owe everyone mm-hmm. a fucking ticket. Okay, I guess I guess we can officially begin. Hello. And welcome to Book Square Goals. This week we are talking about Sorry to Bother You, a movie that just came out recently and stars uh, Kelly's not boyfriend, Keith <laughs> Stanfield. You can definitely have more than one boyfriend. I could have two boyfriends. Before we get started with our icebreaker question this week, I wanted to sort of like reannounce in case it's been a while since we've said it. We spoil things on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, I think in the past, maybe we've spoiled some stuff a little too early. Um, but we're going to try to make a concerted effort to sort of announce in each episode, hey, we're about to spoil some stuff. Um, So, for example, in today's episode, we've got, like, a little plot synopsis of the movie, and then I will say, hey, we're about to spoil. Get ready. Yes. And sorry if we've ruined anybody's day by spoiling something for them in the past. We're bad people. I never said I wasn't a bad person. I will say that. Right. Yeah, that was not a disclaimer that we ever had. But to start us off, our intro question this week is not related to the movie in any way, shape, or form. It's just a little, <laughs> hey, how's it going? And what's a good thing that happened to you this week? Checking in with everybody. Kelly, why don't you go first? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're like, I um, feel so attacked right well, now. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll regret this. Maybe I'll regret this later, but Ooh. I have a boyfriend now. Hey, so. girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hi, hey. Ivan. He's probably listening because he's so supportive. So supportive. Um, yeah, so when we break up in, like, a couple weeks, Stop. I'm probably going to want to go back. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that happened to me this week. <laughs> then we'll all turn on him without question. Exactly. That's how it goes. Watch it, Watch Ivan. Watch it. Watch it. Yeah. Just kidding. I can't wait to meet you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go now since I'm already talking. Yeah, yeah. This is Susan. Um, I have two. So... This weekend, I got to go to Nashville and meet up with four of my best friends on the planet who I haven't seen in, like, a year, and I got to meet one of their babies. What? uh, For the first time. Shout out to Graham. He's definitely listening. We we got pictures of him, remember? That handsome gentleman? Yeah. Mary, guess what? That wasn't my baby. That wasn't my baby. Graham. 
This is an explicit podcast, Graham. <laughs> uh, and then my other friend got engaged, and she told us all in person. Like, just a there was also a picture there. of her on Instagram. Second holding thing, the baby. sorry, I have to do one more. Uh, as of yesterday, I have <gasps> tickets to spend my thirty-first birthday Aww. in Switzerland. So that is yay bananas. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yay. Yay. Yep. Hi, my name is Emily. <laughs> Hi, Emily. Um, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really uh, cryptic with mine. Um, I started a new job this week. Yeah. But I can't tell you guys what it is yet. Mystery job. <laughs> it's a mystery job, but it's really exciting. And as soon as I'm allowed to tell you guys. I am going to make a big announcement about it and harass people about it a lot because it's really cool and I'm super excited about doing it and it's been really fun so far, but yeah, it's still a mystery. This could be a fun game. Like, what do you think Emily's job is? Oh, no. I think because I think like what I think of as exciting is going to be way different from what other people think of as exciting. Yeah. Uh, Just remember, I'm a bookish Ravenclaw. Emily's a lion tamer Uh, now. That's her new job. I am finally that bear wrangler that I always wanted to be <laughs> in the Annihilation movie. Oh, no. Remember that, remember that guys? That's a callback. Spoilers for Annihilation. So, yeah, I'm going to wrangle that bear. I'm Mary, and I don't know that I really have, like, a big thing good that happened this week, but over the weekend, I had, like, a really chill date night and got Chinese takeout and watched an independent movie and felt very hip mm. and warm. What movie was it? Uh, Resolution. Ooh. I haven't heard of that. I don't know that one. It is the movie I mentioned a few weeks ago, Endless. The Endless. It is the first movie by that directing duo, and it's tied to The Endless. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Guys, my neighbors are, as always just like yakking away right in front of my window and so i can't hear them outside is not a fun place right now in the summer <laughs> no it's hattiesburg go inside or like at least stand outside your own window like i have my ceiling fan cut off right now for noise reasons and i'm like it's mm-hmm. hot yeah i have the air turned off because it's always loud so so this week we're talking about sorry to bother you a 2018 film directed and written by Boots Riley, who is also a musician. This is his first film. Mm-hmm. The movie follows Cassius Green, or Cash, a young black man living in his uncle's garage as he tries to make his way through the ranks of a telemarketing agency called Regal View. Cassius soon discovers the secret to becoming a power caller and moving out through the ranks of the company, and this is where things sort of like take a turn. Uh, the film pays special attention to Cassius's relationships, both with his friend Salvador and his girlfriend Detroit, played by the wonderful Tessa Thompson, as they deteriorate in tandem with uh, Cash's rise through Regal View. I don't really want to say anything else about the plot before we get into official spoilery territory, because the movie mm-hmm. is kind of hard to discuss, I would say, without spoiling some of the best and craziest elements um but that being said we're moving in there now yeah and i think like i realized that the movie was gonna like be pretty surprising early on because like pretty early on you can tell like oh most of the stuff that happens in the trailer is like already the first 10 minutes of the movie 
So, like, the trailers don't give away anything that happens for the majority of the movie. That's really refreshing, though, because I hate it when trailers just... Y'all, I didn't even watch a trailer before this. I just went and blind. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Awesome. Also, at the very end, I just have to say... Yeah. As soon as the credits started, some lady (laughs) goes, I don't know what I just watched. (laughs) (laughs) Super loud. Was she a white lady? (laughs) I I couldn't I didn't turn around and look at her so I don't know but um are you saying did she have a white voice kind of yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah she was using her white voice she sounded pissed there were a lot of people in the th- in the theater when I saw it too who were just kind of like uh like when the screen cut out for those twenty minutes oh god the, twenty minutes like I would not have waited everyone was just kind of like. <laughs> So what is this? What's happening in this movie? <laughs> People were just talking about a it. A quick, quick discussion. Um, well, I guess now is a good time to also pose the disclaimer that we are for yes. white girls. And we can't fully ever hope to understand some of the things that happen in this movie on a personal level because we are white and we apologize for uh, yeah. our. Whiteness. Also, these aren't even <laughs> called our white voices. This is just actually what we sound like. Yeah. Just Sorry about voices. that, too. Yeah. Because yeah. vocal fry. So, but even if we can't uh, fully understand it or engage with it in the way that some other uh, podcasts and critics might be able to, I still think there's some, so much going on in this movie and. I think it deserves to be talked about more than it's been discussed. I haven't seen, like, a lot of stuff about it. So. Yeah. Anyway, we're moving into spoiler territory. Put on your exploring hat. Here we go. Let's do it. Um, so the main sort of conceit of the movie that is apparent in the trailers and happens in, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie is Cash discovers that he can move through the ranks of Regal View if he uses what he calls his white voice. And quickly in the movie, Cash's girlfriend, Detroit, played by Tessa Thompson, starts criticizing his use of white voice. But she also uses white voice. But, yes, she also uses a white voice in the movie when she does a performance piece for a pretty diverse audience at an art gallery. So both of them, in a sense, use like this certain tone when working. So I guess this is like a multi-level question. Like, first of all, how do we think the white voice is portrayed in the movie? Cause I think it's done like pretty interestingly. So like, how does that affect how we view it? And what does it mean that this white voice seems to indicate professional? I mean, that's pretty accurate. And I think like, Three out of four of us are or have been um, English composition teachers, so we've had to sort of, like, address this pretty head-on when we're dealing with students um, and having to use conventional language and conventional grammar to communicate in a way that's considered academic, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously, because, you know, we teach writing or used to teach writing, um, mostly we're dealing with the, the written language, but it's similar in that, you know, there are lots of different mm-hmm. um, versions of the English language, but only one is considered appropriate for 
academic writing, right? And I mean, the same is true for speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody got anything. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Um, it's uh, this is so hard because, like, on one hand, like I do have that perspective from teaching and trying to like encourage students to use like what is it like standard standard English, yeah, yeah, whatever it's called. Um, mm-hmm. And I know fully that no one talks like that. Uh huh. You know, um, even if you don't speak in, like, African-American vernacular English, Mm -hmm. you still speak, everyone speaks with, like, some level of colloquialism and incomplete sentences and everything. And it's weird to think about, like, this level of code switching. I think, I mean, I think everyone, black, white, whatever, everyone engages in code switching depending on who their audience is. But I think that minorities have to do it to a greater extent than white people do because Mm -hmm. white vernacular is considered the standard and everyone else. And I mean, I think like, especially in, in something like a telemarketing position, um, vocally, speaking you know it's not even necessarily grammar it's like actually adjusting like a dialect that should not be an issue but Cassius quickly realizes that it's less likely that he's going to be hung up on if he uses a voice that is more familiar to these many white people who he's calling and he so he starts doing that and it's like it's really unfortunate that that is, like, so realistic, like, so painfully realistic. And people do that all the time because they have to, because otherwise they're not going to make any money and they're going to lose their jobs. I guess we should say, if there is anyone listening who didn't see the movie and does and just wants to, you know, hear about it, um, the way they portray this voice is not, like, any sort of affectation that these black actors themselves put on, it is actually other actors dubbed yeah. over them. And I think that is so smart because it seems like they, it seems like Boots Riley really thought, who's the whitest guy I can think of? Oh, I know, David Patton Cross. Oswald, yeah. <laughs> David Cross and Patton Oswalt, the two whitest <laughs> and, men. And Lily James did the girl white voice. <laughs> And I, yeah, Lily James did Detroit. Yeah, I didn't even realize that when I was watching. Because that's art. I was just like, why is she speaking with a British Mm -hmm. accent? And somehow even whiter. I know Kelly speaks with a British accent when she's at work because it's arty. Arty, yes. It's true. That's that's my version of code switching. It it was, I was particularly excited about this because I really like David Cross (laughs) for some reason. Because Tobias. I mean, that's part of it. I just think he's really funny. He's he's just a mm-hmm. weird little guy, you know? So it was exciting. It was exciting. A weird him. little guy. He's made me very angry oh. lately because of being an idiot. Oh, what did he do? Same thing all of our favorite <laughs> actors did, Mary. But he has mm-hmm. made a lot of really idiotic comments. And then there was the, that whole thing that happened with Jessica Walter and... Yeah, yeah, yeah that conversation and he was like him and uh 
fucking Jason Bateman were like the two worst people in that conversation. Aside from Jeffrey Tambor, you know, actual. Yes. Anyway, like so David Cross. Anyway. David anyway, Cross. Back it to was more delightful before. <laughs> Sorry to ruin him for you. But it is it is an interesting like visual I don't what am I trying to say? Visual trick, I guess. Yeah, cuz you can tell that they're that it's like they are lip syncing. Yeah. Yes. Basically. And it creates a sort of like surreal. It adds to that like element of uncanniness that this movie has where like the words are are pretty much matching up but there's just something slightly off a little off yeah and i liked that yeah. a lot and it it makes it even clearer to anyone who was questioning sort of like what code switching <laughs> sounds like and looks yeah. like yeah it heightens the disparity between the like performative voice and the yeah. real yeah voice um, there's also a point later in the film when uh, Cash and Detroit are in bed together and they wake up and he says hi to her and he says it like in his white voice and she's yes. like, don't mm-hmm. like stop using that. And he's like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. So that like starts mm-hmm. to add into this other through line of like, at what point are you sacrificing like the person that you are to like please your right. work life well and situation. in between there like when between when he first starts doing it and he's only doing it on the phone then like mm-hmm. when he goes upstairs then he has to speak also to his co-workers like that where before he could still talk to his co-workers mm-hmm. well, he becomes way. a power caller and then he gets to the point yeah. where he doesn't know that he's even doing it uh-huh. all the time yeah including his other black co-worker <laughs> yeah that is the that's the most uncanny thing is like watching that guy do his <laughs> his mm-hmm. voice like even when it's just the two of them like there's never a moment of recognition yeah well, there's you know? even a point where cash like slips up and says wait a minute so like in his normal voice and mr blank is like uh um white voice please <laughs> right oh yeah yeah it was a very get out moment like when <laughs> you know when mm-hmm. he sees the like the one other black guy at the party and it's like what's going on <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I think this movie has been compared to Get Out a lot. I mean, I can see why. I mean, it's hard because I think that it does have some legitimate sim- similarities, especially when it gets to like the thing that made me think of Get Out the most is when we get to the explanation of the horse situation, and there's like <laughs> a video to describe it, and it's very similar to the part in Get Out when he's being shown yeah. the video. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people kind of saying, why do we have to compare every piece mm-hmm. of black culture to other pieces? Like, because sure. people are saying, oh, this, this year's Get Out. And it's like, why? Because it's also a successful movie made by black people. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, that feels a little, no, I think that it, there just are like things that call back to really specific parts of that specific movie. It's true. It's not the but only movie it reminds me of, but, like... They're entirely different genres, though. So you can't really say... Yes, it. but they are addressing, at least in... Especially in that part that you're talking about, like, the thing that's being addressed is similar, but one of them... And I think they both use satire, but one of it is, like, 
parody. Yeah. Like, a way harder type of satire than what's going on in Get Out. So, yeah, they are totally different genres, but, like, there are legitimate reasons, I think, for them to be compared. Yeah. Besides that it's about race. Yeah. I just think that it's, like, I think that it's more a problem of people saying, like, this, it's, it's this year's Get Out as if there's only room for one, like, successful black film per year. Sure, I get that. But I guess you could also look at it, like, in a positive way. Yeah, but, like... Like, you know what I mean? Like, because that made such a splash that I feel... And it made people pay attention, and maybe if it's something is doing that again this year, and highlighting some other shit about, like, worker exploitation Mm. and, like, classism, then cool. Yeah. I just think it can be a problem, and I also can't ever assume that anything white people do can be taken in a positive way. (laughs) As a white person. I mean, yeah, I understand that, but I'm just, you know, devil's advocate, because just as a moviegoer, I feel, and of course I'm always going to be speaking as a white moviegoer, because I'm white, but, like, as a moviegoer, it, I just felt like there were really specific moments that were really similar. That one in particular was the main moment that was very reminiscent. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, okay, sorry. Mary, you were going to try to transition into the Well, now, you know, talking (laughs) about, like, the message of the movie and what it's saying and, like, how it's a different genre from Get Out and Kelly, you pointed out that Sorry to Bother You is, like, very firmly satire. (laughs) And that's sort of, like, what critics... I've read a lot of reviews and things and that's sort of what critics have talked about the most about the film is how the the message, if we can say there's a message, is really overt and it's blunt and in your face to include something like worry-free, mm-hmm. which is the facility, the manufacturing facility that gets people to sign a lifetime contract and they get fed and clothed and housed and they just work for this company which sounds really good until you see they're basically living in a prison right well they're indentured servants basically yeah yeah Yeah, that's exactly what it is right they're indentured servants like that's not a subtle and it's a lifetime contract also yes that's not a subtle inclusion in a lot of a lot of the criticism i've seen of the film is that it's kind of heavy-handed yeah So I guess just like as a baseline, what do we think this film was trying to convey to us? Mm -hmm. Well, I agree that I think, um, I agree. I think it was pretty heavy handed. And I think that's an issue that you're going to have anytime with something that's just like straight up parody, which is for the most part what this is. Like these don't feel like characters as much as they are. Um, stand-ins for principles or ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really clear. And that doesn't mean that they're not, that, you know, these actors aren't doing, like, nuanced performances of these roles, because right. I think they absolutely are. But, I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're all sort of, like, stand-ins for concepts or ideas that the director's trying to get across. Um so that works, but it also kind of like, I think like, for me, it kind of like limits the effect that it has on me because I'm not connecting to these people as like real characters. Um, and at some points it did feel a little preachy, 
Yeah. And this is coming from, like, I enjoyed the movie, but, like, if I were going to say, like, oh, was this heavy-handed, then I'm going to, like, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also important to note that this is also a first-time filmmaker. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's, like, I think it's heavy-handed, but in some ways, like, the heavy-handedness works because it is such, like, a movie of extremes. Yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be, I mean, that's very, like, purposeful. Um, it's yeah. supposed to be an aggressive movie. You know, it seems to be saying, mm-hmm. well, nobody seems to pay attention when we try to subtly express what it's like to be a black person working in America. So, like, let me right. let me so just let fucking you over spell it out it. for you since nobody's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> And like, let me, yeah. let me, let me hit you in the head with let a me cola make can. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> let me hit you in the head with a cola can and let me make this as over as possible and like give you some really horrifying imagery to remember in the meantime, you know, cause like horse people, you know, this is, we're in spoiler territory. I mean, the horse people, I mean, that's a pretty mm-hmm. like shocking, violent image, you know, and I, I mean, I did not see that coming. I truly at all. <laughs> no, I didn't. And in either. the theater, like I turned to Todd next to me, and I was like, "What is happening?" Like in the theater, <laughs> in the middle of the movie, I was like, "What?" Yeah, it was a. Vi- I had a very visceral reaction to just like this. So, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, yes, um, and is still listening for some reason, <laughs> and is still listening to this for some reason. Uh, basically the, so Cassius goes to this party that is being hosted by, uh, the head of the worry-free company, who is played by Army Hammer. Uh, what's his name? Steve Lift. Yes, Steve Lift. (laughs) Um, and basically, uh, he discovers that... He goes into okay. He goes into a bathroom, and because he asks Steve Lift where the bathroom is, and he goes into the wrong bathroom, and there's a person in a bathroom stall, like, but you can only see the top of their head, and it's like very eerie. And the person is like, "Can you help me?" Hey man, I'm in and, pain. Yeah, I'm in pain. Please help me. And he's like, "No, like I don't know." And because it's like really awkward, it's in a bathroom stall. But he's like, "Please." So he opens it up, and this fucking like horse slash man falls to the ground out of the bathroom stall and is like writhing around on this bathroom floor and it is like the grossest like like horse head attached to like an overly muscular human body and do we see the giant horse dick at this point or is that oh later? absolutely we see the horse dick immediately okay oh, oh we yeah. do so there's also a giant horse dick <laughs> I was so taken aback. I wasn't looking at the horse dick. I know. I didn't even see the dick. I was like, what oh, I the saw f- it. I saw it. I, I saw it, guys. Emily, the screen popped up and Emily immediately was like, where's the dick? <laughs> Look, no. She was like, is that fast? That's not what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah. So they're horse people, basically. And Equus then sapiens. he goes back. So he goes back into Steve Lift's office and he's like, no, 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 you weren't supposed to see that yet. Like, it's like, if you had just watched this video, like I wanted you to before going to the bathroom, 
it would have all made perfect sense. So then he shows him this video explaining the fact that they have decided to create horse – what are they called, Mary? Equisapiens. Equisapiens. Um, Which sounds like more sanitized than horse people. Right, exactly. But the roots of those words mean horse people. <laughs> they do. Horse <laughs> people. Um and they they are creating these horse people to be more efficient workers and more obedient and more obedient. But they're creating them out of real humans, former yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like they genetically engineered a new thing out of nothing, which is still fucked up, even if they had. But they're yeah. changing humans into horse people. But mm-hmm. humans who have signed a lifetime contract signed their bodies yes. over to... No, that doesn't make it better. Right. It doesn't make it better, but makes it legal. It just makes it more slavey. Yeah. And the thing is, is, like, during this whole proposal, Steve Lift is like, but you'll get a big horse stick. Like, that's the yeah. bonus. And also, I mean, and he's pitching it to him, like, you're going to be the... You're going to be in you're charge gonna be the horse of the horse on the people. You're still going to be one, but, like, you're yeah. in charge of them, so you're, like, more important somehow, Uncle mm-hmm. Tom. Right. Mm-hmm. He basically proposes, which I th- I thought was super fucked up and also really interesting. He basically is anticipating the rebellion of the horse people and thus is pre-planning to have a horse leader who is like a a leader of the rebellion but is actually working for the company so that he can keep the rebellion like at a low simmer point i guess so he's like he he says he's going to be the martin luther king of this horse rebellion that he knows is going to happen because obviously if you turn human beings into horses they're not going to be happy about it they're gonna get mad but I thought it was really interesting to think about the the concept of, like, a a company owner, like, mm-hmm. planning that far in advance to have his own control over the riots that are going to break out. That was, yeah, it was disturbing. It was disturbing. <laughs> and... <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm, it was meant to be, obviously. But it, it is. And I think, like... Conversations about this stuff start at the point where something's uncomfortable, and so, like, I appreciate a movie that makes me uncomfortable, generally. Like, Hereditary did that for me, too. (laughs) Like, not in terms of a social issue, but, like, I, if I'm physically reacting to something, then I know it's, like, affecting me somehow. However, I don't know how much I enjoyed the experience at times. Like, I was like, what? I like the first two thirds. I was totally in. I was like, "Yes, I'm super into this satire. I'm super into this code switching voice stuff." And then when we got to the Equisapiens, I was like, oh. "Yeah, like even the beginning of the Equisapiens part, I was like, okay, this is a, a mm-hmm. shift, but I'm on board." But then I just felt like it started to unravel a little bit and. Like, honestly, the last third is, like, what kept me from really enjoying this movie the way that I wanted to, because I felt like the whole end riot that occurs really sort of, like, didn't come together. It was, like, too satisfying and too neat, and then 
the very ending was just like I did not like it. Cash <laughs> turns into an Equisapien. Yeah, which is like of course because he snorted this like quote unquote cocaine that the that Steve Lift offered him at the party and promised was not the same cocaine esque substance that is what he uses to turn people into Equisapiens, but of course it was. Like, he mm-hmm. didn't just give you a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> so if someone just offers you a bunch of cocaine, no. But it was such a delayed transformation. Just don't do cocaine. How about that? I did, I did really like, I think, what the movie was saying about, like, the importance of activism mm-hmm. and, like, yes. not mm-hmm. just getting comfortable with the problem and accepting like well it sucks really bad but I guess I individually am not going to be able to do anything about it so I'm going to just like sit back and shut the fuck up right and like even when no one you know really was listening to him about the Equisapiens or even if they did they didn't seem to care that much like I liked that I think it was saying like no you have to fucking scream about it like and also it seems to suggest that if you wait to become an activist until the problem is affecting you directly, then it's mm-hmm. too late. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Cash Cash is totally okay with being a part of the system mm-hmm. when it, he's benefiting from it and mm-hmm. he's, he sees his friends are struggling, but, like, at the end of the day, he's like, well, it, it's really just about me making it out. And we, I mean, again, I don't want to say that I know what it's like to be a black person working in America, but... I, we see this with some black celebrities or rich black people. I'm thinking about Kanye <laughs> specifically yes, right now. Or, you know, where they're. Or where, OJ. Or OJ, who says, like, I'm not black, I'm OJ, right? Where it's like, right. it doesn't really matter that, like, I, I don't see the point in, like, standing up for black people because I'm, I've gotten ahead and I've. I've found a way to like weasel my way through the system despite being black. So like everybody should just do that or shut up. Right. Um, This kind of suggests that at some point you're going to get it to some point where the system's not going to work for you. So, but if you wait until that point, then it's really like too late to do anything Mm -hmm. about it. Because all all of a sudden you're a horse person. (laughs) Yeah. Because at that point you've already snorted the horse powder and... (laughs) It's like drinking the Kool-Aid, but... You're fucked. Snorting the horse powder. Yeah. yeah. Worse. <laughs> but worse, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's... You said that really well, Emily. Like, if you wait until it is personally affecting you, then it's too late. Or if you're just ignoring the fact that, like... Like, I think people put on blinders. <laughs> and that's an unfortunate term, because horse oh, blinders... Oh, no. Susan! Um, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm stopping my recording here. That is so Podcast insensitive is to our, our wait. What are they? Equisapian. I almost said aquasapian. <laughs> our equisapian brethren. Water people. To, yeah. Well, you can. I think, especially like as a white person, choose to ignore. You can more easily choose to ignore some of these things. It'd be great if you didn't, but people do. Well, I mean. We kind of, like, see signs of how easy it is to ignore stuff from the very beginning of the movie as Cash goes to work 
every day it shows the worry-free billboard Mm -hmm. on the way to work and it's got you know like these happy people like yay we love living in this prison it's so great Mm -hmm. i don't have to worry about anything and so like he sees this stuff the whole time and Mm -hmm. clearly people are aware of it i guess because detroit mentions it a couple of times but he doesn't do anything about it. And when he's presented with the opportunity to essentially like sell out these people's labor, he takes it because it's going to benefit him. Like you said, Emily. So mm-hmm. I don't, I wonder if like, this is what it's like to feel really wealthy, you know? Cause like I had, I know a lot of people who often like come from a place of extreme privilege they maybe they have like more conservative beliefs because they're like well why do i have to pay for someone else to get health care or why do i have to pay for my school district to be better i don't have any kids in school here and it's just like that mentality of well, this isn't immediately helping me. Right. Mm-hmm. I already have this, so yeah. why should I be yeah. helping other people get it? If, if we were all living out in the middle of the forest with exactly, like, all born with exactly the same opportunities, then that mm-hmm. would make sense, right? But that's not right. the world we live in. It's just not. We yeah. aren't all born with the same opportunities. We're not all starting mm-hmm. on the same footing, so. Uh, thinking, I, I've thought about this film a lot through the lens of critics and what critics are saying about it. Not because I can't form my own opinion, but when I saw this movie, I was there with like someone I know who regularly reviews movies. And so I immediately was thinking like, I wonder how he's going to rate it. Well, guess what, Mary, you regularly review movies too. I didn't even think about it. (laughs) Uh, But thinking, thinking about the critics, I read a lot of reviews and it seems like they're Who are the critics? Mixed. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> uh, Emily Ishida, my girl at Vulture, said that Sorry to Bother You is the punk movie we deserve. That it's sort of like rebellious and edgy. Mm-hmm. Sloppy in yeah. a punk kind mm-hmm. of way, but like in a very like intentionally yeah. sloppy way where it's like, yeah, I know. This is sloppy. What about it? Bite me. It's like a zine movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I sort of like... My immediate connection after the movie was, I was thinking, and I am drawing from like a limited knowledge of directors, but I thought about David Lynch because um, even though their editing is different, like, gosh, David Lynch will let a shot linger for a thousand years. So long, (laughs) just an absurd amount of time. Um, But he does a lot of like, David Lynch does a lot of weird here's a thing in the background that's strange, but I'm not going to explain it. You know, like a lot of Mm -hmm. weird background stuff and not being afraid to sort of like play with magical realism and the supernatural weird editing choices in the way things are cut together, sort of like a herky jerkiness to it. And I thought about David Lynch. And as soon as I mentioned that I got like some pushback, right? Like, Oh, well, I don't think that's what David Lynch is doing. <laughs> and I and I wonder, like, yeah. a lot of film critics place this reverence on directors like David Lynch, who are, like, film auteurs. Well, he's a white but dude. But what's different? So... You know, like, weird editing. Well, yeah, David I mean, Lynch is a white dude. That's, like, one of the differences. And, of course, like, also yeah. David Lynch has been directing for longer. But, like, 
I don't know. But also, but also in general, just going back to the white dudeness, I think that generally speaking, just when I listen to people talk about different directors in different ways, people assume that white dudes know what they're doing when they yeah. do things in movies. Um, when people th- that are women or people of color direct movies and do strange things, a lot of times mm-hmm. they're questioned about it. Like, did they mm-hmm. know what they were doing? Like, and I, I mean, like, I think a lot of it is being a white dude. Sorry. Another thing about that's interesting about the David Lynch comparison is it's in some ways it's kind of like like an opposite way to use mm-hmm. strange imagery because David Lynch uses his strange imagery in a way that is very like mm-hmm. dreamlike and almost right. purposeless and sorry to bother you has like as we were saying is like hitting you over the head with its meaning and, you know, when you ask David Lynch, if you read interviews with him about, like, what what was the purpose of this? What were you trying to do? He's like, I don't know. Like, figure it out for yourself. I just had a dream David about Lynch, it. David Lynch, I need like, you to do better. <laughs> I can't get through the new season of Twin Peaks. I need you to do better. That's another conversation. But, Yeah. I think that that is an interesting comparison, though. It's just, I don't it's think just, it's wrong. To me, it's two comparisons of, of filmmakers who are doing some interesting, weird things with editing and background imagery. And one of them is being hailed as, like, a great filmmaker. And one of them is being questioned mm-hmm. as being sloppy. Yeah. Which, yeah. actually, that makes my John Waters comparison even stronger. Because yeah. <laughs> that's basically how he was treated. <laughs> It's like, the fuck are you doing? Like, it's horrible. Still to some degree. Yeah, still to some way. degree. But, like, and, but another thing that I told you, I texted you all mm-hmm. when, like, right after I had seen this and was like, I don't know that I liked it as much as I thought I was going to. And, like, I, I just, and I'm still saying that I, I really still don't know. I feel like I need to see it yeah, again. Yeah, I feel like I do too. But this is the way that I felt the first time I saw Female Trouble, mm-hmm. John Waters. Um, like, the entire time I was like, what am I seeing? What's happening to me? It felt like it happened to me. <laughs> it wasn't like I just watched it. And so, and that is a really, that's kind of how I felt afterwards. And similarly, like the more I've sat with it, like I have still been thinking about it a lot. And I feel like I would have a, a maybe a different experience if I saw it again. Do I love this as much as everything I love of John Waters? No, not right well, now. You've also had like years. Yeah. To I have, but it was like after I got John through Waters. that first one and like kind of got got on board, then it was like everything was gold, <laughs> so, um, almost everything. But John Waters just seems like a sweet guy. Uh, sure. I'll tell you another story about him later. I saw him live last year, and like I cried when he came on stage because I, I love him so much. <laughs> so like maybe I that's what will eventually happen to me with Boots Riley. We'll see. I say a sweet guy. <laughs> I mean, he is like a self proclaimed creep basically (laughs) but he's great though uh you know i think he has faith in humanity he seems very earnest yeah oh he's nothing if not overly earnest (laughs) um but i think uh i'm excited to see what boots riley does in the future and i hope that me too like whether or not it's like all positive buzz this movie is getting a lot of attention and a lot of people are seeing it. Um, like I know a lot of people who have seen it that don't go and see every movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's great. And I think 
this movie is, like, loud and, like, in your face and exciting. And even though it didn't fully come together for me, like, I mm-hmm. I really appreciate it and I'm glad it exists. And I want to see it again and I want to see what he does mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see where he goes after this because I especially love, like, weird films mm-hmm. and films that sort of like challenge you got it the norms yeah Mm -hmm. you know of like what makes a good film yeah and i think it's fair to say that there's no way to anticipate what the fuck he's going to make next (laughs) so he also has like an interesting take as a musician and like coming from the professional music world i think um because that's a different sort of creativity yeah i feel like this is one of those things where i i don't know maybe i will enjoy it more later but it's one of those things where I, like, I feel like I can appreciate what it is doing mm-hmm. without having to love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of the way The Wasteland is for me. Oh, boy. I see what you're doing, and I appreciate it. I mean, I did. There were there was a lot of this movie that I genuinely enjoyed. I laughed a yeah, lot. Yeah, me too. It's very I just, funny. I'm, as a whole, by the end... I think I don't know. I've I feel like I still don't really know how I feel. <laughs> it's kind of an attack on the senses by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Susan, you said that there's like hereditary made you feel uncomfortable and this did too, but in a different way. Mhm. And I I felt similarly like the first part of Sorry to Bother You is really funny and like this political commentary that I really enjoyed, but as soon as we get to the Equisapiens, I was uncomfortable in a way I did not enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But, and then, but then you have to ask, are you supposed to, are you supposed, are supposed to, to enjoy, enjoy it? it? Yeah. yeah, I don't <laughs> so, like, know. The, this is why I don't know how to, like, even articulate what I feel, because, like, that should be uncomfortable. Yeah. I <laughs> think. <laughs> and, like, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, like, that discomfort, I think, is, like, is highlighting some stuff that we probably need to confront, like, as a society and also as white people and as privileged people. Yeah. And, and I think that you can talk about that and appreciate what the movie is doing without, like, actually enjoying the experience. Because yeah. I, I still don't know that I really <laughs> did. But I would tell someone to see it because I think there's a lot to be addressed. And I think it's worth – it will make you think. And I think that's – always a good thing yeah and i think like it will maybe play differently on a second viewing just because you'll know what's coming because i think a huge <laughs> part of my reaction to the last part of the movie was that like as soon as the Equisapiens thing happened i was like so thrown for a loop that i like couldn't like get back into the way that i felt before because i was like what what's happening but if i watch it again i will know that that's gonna happen and I might be able to, like, stay on the train. <laughs> I think it's smart, though, that the movie, it that it sets it up to be so jarring. Yeah. And, like, it gets you so on board with, like, some kind of a little more lighthearted satire and, like, some stuff that actually will make you laugh mm-hmm. and some cool t-shirts and <laughs> stuff yes. like that. So that when it does get to that, like, you are, like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I'll pro- I'll never forget that woman being like, "What did I just watch? I don't know what I just watched. What is this?" <laughs> just as a sidebar, um, Tessa Thompson Detroit's style is everything super interesting. I want. Everything I want. Um, mm-hmm. She has a T-shirt that says, "The future is female ejaculation." Mm-hmm. Rock on! Right? Yeah, and she has earrings that say lots of things. 
murder, murder. I like her murder. (laughs) Yeah. She has, like, glittery penis earrings. And also just, like, the way in that final, like, final scene, or, like, not the final scene, but the riot scene, like, the way that, I don't even know what is going on on her hands, but she has, like, a thousand rings on, and her hands are, like, glittering, and she has, like, stars all, I don't know, but they look amazing. Mm-hmm. And she can buy the car. Oh, shit. Or, and the car. It's, like, $20,000. I'm gonna buy that t-shirt. I heard you were saying, I'm going to buy that car, and I was like... I'm going to buy that car. <laughs> yeah, I don't Let's do a GoFundMe for the podcast and see if people will help us buy the car. Do we Do mm-hmm. we want to rate this movie in light of it being, like, sort of mm-hmm. hard to wrap our heads around? I don't know that I'm ready to rate it yet. You don't. You can abstain. Okay. It just feels really hard to assign a number to this. So Susan's yeah. rating is, would see it again. Yes. My rating... I'm going to use a different system than numbers. I want to give it something like sunshine. A banana. Or, yeah, I give it, I give it banana, <laughs> yeah. protein shake. Dancing. Puppy. <laughs> emoji. Like in emojis. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know yet. Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah. Oh. Question mark emoji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alien. Also emoji. exclamation mark emoji. Horse emoji. Horse emoji. I... <laughs> I think I would give it a three out of five because I mean, and that's like, uh, I reserve the right to revise this upon a second viewing, but I think I would give it a three out of five because it's super interesting and I'm on board with it and I liked it, but I don't know if it's like getting where I want it to go. Yeah. I think I'm going to, I think when I initially got out of it, I gave it a three, but I think on Letterboxd, which allows half stars. I think I'm going to go mm. up to a 3.5 after talking about I mean, it a I little. would do a 3.5. Yeah. Um, I gave it a 4 on Letterboxd, and I'll tell you why. Tell us why. I think there were a lot of things that were working really well in it. I think the performances were great. I mean, the casting for that was, like, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that... Like I was saying earlier, these characters are not, like, fully fleshed out characters. They're more, like, ideas than they are, like, real people. But Tessa Thompson and Lakeith Stanfield are so good. They're so good. That, like, like you want to know what happens with them. Um, one thing that... I think yeah. he, in particular, is, like, he's really, amazing. really good. Oh, yeah. I, I adore him. And one thing that we haven't talked about, though, that I, that I think bothered me the most about the movie, and this might seem small... But just from, like, a storytelling standpoint, I was just sort of like, why? Um, The friend Mm -hmm. who Tessa Thompson has an affair with, I was kind of like, why was that there? Because nothing was really made of that. Like, they sleep with each other, and then, like, immediately afterwards, like, they get back together, and Detroit's just like, oh, yeah, like, it's not that big of a deal, like, whatever. And he's like, yeah, it's not that big Because they were broken up when when she slept with him. Yeah, but it was like, so then why? Because it was sort of like built up throughout the whole movie that this other guy had a thing for her. Right. And I was just sort of like, I don't know, like general like storytelling rules would tell us that something more needs to happen with that if it's going to be included. Like probably in real life, practically speaking, that's what would happen. (laughs) Right. Right. But like that doesn't make for good like film storytelling. So like. As part of the film, I was just like, I don't really see why that was there. Yeah, I agree with you um, on that. I, I think there were little things like that to me that seemed less 
I mean, and yeah, we were talking about like this movie sort of like punk rock and it's sort of supposed to be sloppy, but things like that seem a little like the writers weren't sure like where they were going with that. Yeah. yeah. I kind of forgot about that, which should say yeah. something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, with that being said, I still thought stylistically a lot of really interesting things were happening. Also, like Army Hammer was really great. In he it. was I mean, really basically good. like everybody was great. Army Hammer, I think. Um, needs to get more props as a comedic he's actor. He's funny. Because, like... Yeah. Yeah, he's funny in this very, like, dry, normal white dude kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's the perfect guy to play privileged white dude who doesn't get it. Yeah. You know? He like, knows, like, he has perfected his tone for this movie. Like, everyone in the movie was in the same movie. Yeah. You know? Which is, <laughs> yeah. like... And it's yeah. a really weird movie to be in. So the fact that, like... So the oh, fact that they were all on the same page with it. Yeah. I mean, that was a big deal to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know, like, I had a lot of fun at this movie, and so, like, I, I give it a four out of five because, like, I, I feel like there was a lot that was really working, even though, like, all the pieces didn't fit perfectly yeah. together. Solid. Cool. Yeah. And I would yeah, recommend it same. to people, so. Okay. Cool. So. Banana. Banana, dancing girl emoji, horse emoji, question mark. <laughs> Child, Child screaming. Crying. Oh my god, I heard that. I did hear that. <laughs> Dude, it's... I give this movie... It's fucking... It was, like, constant. It's fucking constant. I thought that was your cat. I was like, no, hey, your cat's that's, dying. That's you my neighbor's outside my window. It's child screaming. So, this month... We are celebrating Emily's brother Adam's birthday. His birthday was on July 22nd. And you can help honor his memory by donating to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at LLS.org. Even if you just make a small donation, you can help fund research for new cancer treatments. um, So patients like Adam will have all of those resources available to them. Uh, so far, Emily has raised over $2,500. I was at $2,800 the last time I checked. Woo! Yeah, $2,800 to donate to the LLS Amazing. for Adam's birthday. And we hope some of you, our listeners, can contribute to We Miss Adam. And we are especially thinking of him this month, on his birthday month. We will leave a link to that uh, fundraiser mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, and we'll also link to the episode yeah. that Adam joined us on, which was one of my faves. Yes, the girl with all the gifts. <laughs> Our best The most guest. prepared guest of all time. I'm just, I'm so glad that we have that and that he got to be a part of the show. And that's something that I can yeah. always have and go back and listen to. Like, that means a lot to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Especially me, because I was leading that one. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway through, I wanted to be like, do you just want to do it? <laughs> 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 that one, I think. <laughs> Happy birthday, Adam. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Adam. We have some feedback. So, feedback. Mm. We have some. Um, yeah. I want to read this first one because I have seen my name in it. Oh, yeah. We are doing Westworld feedback first. Um, our last other episode was about season two of Westworld. So, we have a letter from Alex in New England. Alex writes... Hi, Book Squad Goals. I appreciated the other sh- other sode about Westworld. <laughs> I probably feel the most like Mary, an artful balance of bored, betrayed, and outraged. What a mess. 
Maeve has magic powers now, and oh god, who gives a shit? <laughs> While I love Tessa Thompson, her character in this show is the worst. But at least she's tied for worst with every other character on the show now. <laughs> Will y'all be around for next season? I think I'm out. Unless there's more Jimmy Simpson. I may be hashtag Team Susan on that one. Yeah. I like him what? as an actor, but Alex, not as an so attractive man. I like Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> right. But hey, Alex, you and I get it, okay? There's a certain... We, don't worry about these things. That's not true. I don't know that I will be around for next season, because I was pretty turned off by season two. I mean, I barely made it through this one, partly because I started I started really late, because I just wasn't that jazzed, but now yeah. I'm really not that jazzed. It takes a lot for me Same. to give up on a show. Um, I know. I can't really talk shit. I watched all, like, eight seasons of Dexter, oh, and that got bad, like, halfway through, and I just kept going. Girl... I kept on with Gossip Girl way past <laughs> its expiration date. Gossip Girl is a gem, like, and I will hear no bad words about it. Thinking about HBO shows, I have very little, not little patience. I have patience with HBO shows, but I'm more willing to give them up because I start feeling pretentious when I refuse to. You know, like I start examining why won't I give this up? Like I gave up on Game of Thrones because I was like, I have a hard time watching a TV show where there's just like ambient rape happening in the background. Ambient <laughs> rape. <laughs> you know, I will, I will watch that show until it's over. It only has one mm-hmm. season left. Yeah, like, I've already, I'm in. I w- Maybe one day I'll go back. Mm-hmm. Like, the quality has absolutely gone down, but Ambient I still rape. enjoy it. Well, you know, it's just like, there will be, like, some nasty dudes who took over something. They're just raping people in the background. I'm like, oh, cool. Look, Sharp Objects, though, just watched the third episode today. It is on fire. Yes, I watched it last I, night. I, so good. I almost cried during this episode. Like, I got so emotional. Susan knows what part I'm talking yep, about. Yep, I know exactly probably. what part you're talking about. I and haven't started watching it yet, but I guessed I what even. happened so last night because Todd's been watching it and he said I guessed correctly. About what happened so far? Oh, good job. It's three episodes in. <laughs> good job. I still haven't decided if I want to read it or watch it first yet, so... Yeah, that's a tough call, but... That's a tough call, and you asked me, and I gave you no clear cut answer. I think yeah. I think I, I would said, say, you know, listen to it. It's a really good audiobook. That's I listen to it. I don't also. like audiobooks. I've decided at all ever. I mean, sometimes, but I don't really like fiction audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time paying attention. I already bought the book. Then read it. You already have. It. I like I like listening to thrillers on audiobooks because I feel like. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I pay really close attention because everything seems, like, really important, you know? Like, I'm like, oh, I better, like, listen so I can figure out what's happening. And I'm the type of person who, like, tries to guess what happens, like, every ten minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. It is fun unless you're trying to watch a show with me. At least you're not asking. You know what I hate is when I'm watching a show with someone and they keep asking me, like, like, what's happening? Did she just... And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Why do you think I know? I I'm know. also watching him for the first time. I know. I know. I don't do that. No. <laughs> I have a... I have talked my uh, my dude it's, into watching this with me, and yeah. he's loving it, and he's already, like, starting to guess, like, oh, well, I, I know who it is. Thankfully, Ben and, and like, I both know who it is. So. I do want to hear you tell me, but I'm also afraid because I don't want my face to give away if he's right or wrong. I know, right? 
So I try real hard to just, well, just not look at just him. Just tell me. Well, has, he, tell has he guessed yet? He has made a guess. Yeah, that's just for me. I'll just say yeah. he's made a guess. Sharp objects, And guys. I won't confirm or deny it. I'm going to keep him on the edge. Still something we're into. At least Susan and I are into it. Okay, we have another Westworld feedback. It's very good. Emily, do you yes. want to read this one? Oh, you want me to do this one? This is for my dad. Guys, I got to spend the weekend with my dad in New Orleans Yay. celebrating my brother's birthday, Aww. and it was really fun. Yay. So, thanks, Dad. He wrote in about our Westworld episode, and he said, um, mm-hmm. I thought the weirdest thing, except for the hats, which <laughs> he agreed were really dumb, um, was why Dolores didn't just kill Bernard since he was going to challenge her, and she had no problem killing people <laughs> or robots. He's nice. a robot. That got in her way. But not poor Teddy. And you ladies were wrong about Maeve. Guess you've not been mothers. I really thought her single-mindedness about protecting her daughter was completely understandable. I also agree that the final episode was a little too on point. Oh, and based on Mary's understanding of Evan Rachel Wood's role in season three, she should have recused herself from this episode. (laughs) Damn. Charlie Byrne. Okay, I would like to clarify (laughs) that I was not questioning... Maeve's love for her daughter. I was just saying that I was having a hard time, like, caring about her relationship with her daughter because we didn't get to see any of it. For real. Like, but I totally understood her motivation. I just... I think maybe... I think maybe what he's trying to say, and I don't want to put words into his mouth, but, I mean, feel free to write back in and correct me, but I feel like maybe what he's trying to say is, like, as a parent, you can kind of fill in the blanks there. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more than people who haven't experienced experienced that would, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And then, I guess, like, the only explanation I can offer for the first thing is that she has this, like, bizarre attachment to Bernard because of Arnold. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of flashback scenes to her hanging out with Arnold in the season, especially that suggests, like, there's some, like, sentimental yeah. attack. Shit, we probably should have said that we were going to spoil Westworld. Assume if we've done an episode about it before, we already spent so much time spoiling it, we're just going to hit it harder. Also, we announced that we were going to do Westworld feedback, so... Yeah, we're about yeah, to spoil true. Hereditary also. <laughs> Again. <laughs> just stop listening. Like, you know... To talk about my dad again, he just said, you know, when he listened to the Westworld episode, we announced that we were about to talk about hereditary feedback, and he just stopped listening at that point. Yep. Because he was like, okay, I didn't see hereditary, and I don't want to be spoiled. Has he seen it yet? Because he needs to hear this feedback. No. (laughs) I'll tell him he has to watch it before. We have a spoiler essay from Susan's friend, Yeah, about hereditary. so good, though. Take it away. Susan, you got to read this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I am. Buckle up, everyone. It's long. But it's this good. will spoil the entire movie, so be prepared. And also the leftovers. <laughs> Wait, does this spoil the leftovers? Right, this, yes. This is they barely. I haven't finished. I haven't finished reading it's, the leftovers. It's a TV show. It's, it's not a, It just is saying someone's shitty. No, okay, it's not a real. The spoiler. person right, isn't okay. even in the book. Right. Anyway, this okay, is Michael from fun. Indianapolis. Hi, squad, especially Susan. Sup, Susan. This is Michael. (laughs) 
And man, what a great freaking movie. The first time I saw the trailer, I thought, hell yeah, that's my kind of movie right there. And boy, was I right. Same. First of all, I went to see this movie by myself. Parentheses, I do have friends. So I was was alone and scared, but also excited because it's one of those theaters you can order food from your seat. I got Mm. the margarita flatbread. I'd give it a 7.3. The waitress was very nice. Waitress rating, 9.7. Anyway, I feel this, I was feeling this movie from the off. There are some movies that just have that feel. I knew at the start we were in for a good one. I whispered to my left, we're in for a good one here. Then remembered I was alone. (laughs) (laughs) The music and opening scenes had me on edge, but the thing that really got me early on was the pulsing, thumping background noise slash music slash I don't know what the hell what. I seriously almost lost my mind for a second. I thought maybe I was hearing things. Maybe it's the theater next door. Maybe it's the air conditioner. Maybe I'm crazy. Why am I here? Am I dying? Then when it cut to a new scene, it stopped. Those sons of guns did that on purpose. Brilliant. Holy shit, man. I whispered to no one. <laughs> that building <laughs> that building pulsing sound put me on edge and I loved it. It could be that there was no sound and I am crazy. It was there. Yeah. Michael, you're not crazy. Not for this. This letter is crazy. <laughs> for other people, <laughs> I think that might be the reason I like this movie so much. I was uncomfortable and uneasy throughout. The family dynamic and the tension added to that. You could feel that things were off and then when Charlie... <laughs> all caps, got fucking decapitated. <laughs> That's when shit really got real. I was not expecting that at all, by the way. Are you fucking kidding me? I was sort of <laughs> the empty chair to my left. <laughs> did you all notice Payman's symbol on the telephone pole in the scene before the accident? I didn't during, They did. I didn't. I heard about yeah. it after. I, I noticed. The scene leading up to that was so terrible slash good. All Peter wanted <laughs> to do was go to that party so he could finally try to impress the girl he was crushing on, and it turned into a complete, all caps, bloody nightmare. Literally. The scene with Charlie's throat closing up might have been the most haunting and so real. Losing a family member so young is a terrible thing. It leaves families broken and never the same. That really hit me hard. Annie wailing on the floor and Steve not knowing how to fix it. Seeing that yeah. grief was tough. So really real. When yeah. Patty from Leftovers made an appearance, I knew she was bad news. Oh, no, not this <laughs> For a second, I thought maybe it was all in Annie's head, and we were just being presented it through her warped lenses. But that didn't last super long, because then Steve was on fire, and Annie was Spider-Manning around the house. <laughs> Things started to piece together, and you realized the family was doomed all along. Thanks a lot, Grandma. I mean, all Peter wanted to do was smoke bombs with his crush. It's true. I've rambled, so I'll wrap things up. The cut to the wide shot of the house with all the naked people standing, staring at the house really creeped me out. By the way, did you notice the husky bald guy smile very weirdly at Charlie when she looked in her grandmother's casket? That dude was one of the naked worshippers in the house. Were they everywhere during the movie? When Peter Charlie wakes up and you hear that tongue click, oh man, wild. When they put the crown on Charlie and told her she was King Pyman, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was kind of cool. Obviously, it was weird with two decapitated corpses and a bunch of naked people in a treehouse, but wow. Charlie is a devil king. <laughs> I loved it. Five out of five. Wow, that was freaking great. I whispered to Mila. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. I, I mean, I don't really... I think you said everything that needed also, to be Also, my question for Michael is, how did you eat that margarita pizza during the movie? Yeah, seriously. I was shooketh. I was like, I can't eat. Yeah. I, I'll... I'll follow up with him We had popcorn at the movie, but by the time it actually came on, we were kind of like, well, we're done now. I didn't have any food, but I did have a glass (laughs) of straight whiskey. That's probably the right (laughs) thing to have for this movie. I had a little bit of popcorn, and then I was just like squeezing squeezing someone's arm to the point where I thought they would The only reason that I was able to sit through that movie was because I had alcohol. 
You know, Susan, maybe when you saw Sorry to Bother You and you heard at the end, someone said, what did I just watch? It was Michael. (laughs) Or maybe it was just Michael in my head because I'm not in Indianapolis. (laughs) It was this letter coming back to me. Anyway, Michael, thank you very much. Please continue sending us these. Yes. (laughs) I very much loved it. We have some things on the blog. Mm -hmm. We do. Yes. We have... A blog post by Kelly and Emily about First Reformed. Mm-hmm. It sure is a blog post. So grab your Pepto Bismol and whiskey <laughs> and head over Spoiler. to check that out. <laughs> Already posted on our blog is another installment of what, in my mind, is a series. Late to the game. Yes. Where I will talk about Hollow Knight. I love that series. A game that came out uh, about a year and some change ago, and I have just been playing for the first time. So if you want to hear me talk about being a cute little bug (laughs) and see pictures of the cute little bug, please read. Sounds good to me. That blog post. Emily, do you want to talk about your featured bookstore? So let me tell you about the featured bookstore of the month. It's called Murder by the Book, where a good crime is had by all. And it is in Houston, Texas. Um, As you might guess by the name of this bookstore, um, it is a mystery bookstore. So they specialize in mysteries, thrillers, and even some horror novels. Um, So they have a really great collection of those types of books. Um, They also have other mystery-related books. t-shirts and tote bags and games. Mary and I bought a game from there um, which I cannot remember the name of. Oh, here it is. It's called The Mystery Mansion. So we bought this game called The Mystery Mansion where you build your own mystery stories and Mary Jen and I you know, the scary movie crew um, Horror horror movie crew. Yeah. We played this game together and learned a lot about Grandmama who likes to wear armor it was time to suit up. Grandmama, suit up. Um, anyway, it's a, that's an in-joke for you, Jan, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we like to tell jokes that relate to one listener. Yes. <laughs> Just um, one. But it, we had a really good time, came up with a lot of good in-jokes, telling murder stories to each other. Um, so it was a super fun game, and I would not have heard about it if I had not gone there. Um, what else? The staff there is very friendly and knowledgeable. Um, super nice. They were super, super nice. Um, they've got a lot of signed books there. I got a signed copy of Ruth Ware's new book. Um, mm. the, Ruth Ware's new book, which is called The Death of Mrs. Westaway. Um, I have read In a Dark, Dark Wood and enjoyed it. Um, and I've been wanting to read some more. Don't spoil that. I'm in the middle of no, it. No, no, I won't. But I've been wanting okay. to read some more <laughs> Ruth Ware. And this one sounds really good. So I was really excited to pick up a copy of it. They have lots of readings there and signings um, for lots of different mystery authors. Um, Riley Sager is doing a signing there. And, you know, Kelly and I did a post about Riley Sager's novel. We'd made fun of it a whole bunch. But that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't enjoy getting their book signed by Riley Sager. We hated that book. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if you're like me and you love murder and you're in the Houston, Texas area or might be visiting there, you should check out Murder by the Book. And we'll be linking to them on the website. They also have an online store. 
So you can shop online. Um, that you can buy their totes and t-shirts online as well. So support yeah. your bookstores. Really yes, they had a t-shirt that said, "What did it say?" It, it was something about Nancy Drew. It was like, "I learned everything I know from Nancy." Yeah, Drew. I've got it up right oh, now. Cute. Actually, it says. Everything I know, I learned from Nancy Drew, and it's got a little picture of Nancy Drew. Nancy yeah, Drew sleeping around. I love Nancy Drew. Yeah, and they they've got one that says like Holmes and Watson and Marple and Perot, who you know are detectives. And- <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard. You may have heard of detectives. them. Um, they've also got some like Houston related <laughs> merchandise mm-hmm. and some stuff that just says Murder by the Book, which is awesome. Yeah. It was a cute, it was a cute store. They also and have, like, the book staff club seems really awesome. Oh, also, while we were there, one last thing. While we were there, there was, there was a guy there who said, like, he drives in to visit the store from, like, an hour away. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Because, like, he just loves it so much. So, I mean, they definitely have, like, people who are really into the store and come a lot. And, you know, if I live closer to Houston, I might go there more often. But I do not. Mm-mm. It's, like... A seven-hour drive or six-hour drive, something like that. But I'm glad we got to go while we were very glad, here. very glad. So yeah, that's my featured bookstore. Um, next time on Book Squad Goals, we are discussing The Leftovers by Tom Parada. I'm very excited. This is my yeah. finished. Mary already finished it, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. It is very enjoyable. I, I want to watch the TV show now. Yeah, I'm like a little more than halfway through, and I think I'm going to try to watch at least the first episode of the show before we record. So yeah, mm-hmm. if I watched, I watched like the first five minutes of the show. Is so is Justin Thoreau Kevin? Yes, I love that. That makes me happy. Okay, I love that. And then after that, <laughs> Ari, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I hate that. I like this. Yeah. I like that. Yes. I don't I like, like that. This. Um, Sorry, we hate Ari. This is nice. <laughs> wow, it's so cool. Wow. Uh, next, next podcast. <laughs> After that, it's finally time for Sharp Objects. Sharp objects. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a feedback loop of Emily and Susan yelling and screaming. Well, you'll be so excited too if you, you start fucking watching it. Just saying. I'm going to start watching it. I just finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and so now I have a void in my life. Well, so. this is going to fill a very different hole, so don't expect <laughs> it to do the same things for you that Brooklyn Nine-Nine does. Fill a different hole sounds yeah. weird. Well, as we learned, there are lots of different types of holes to fill. Yes, thank you, Yas, for teaching yeah. us that. Thank you for joining us on this episode. <laughs> Who are you talking to? We're all regulars. Oh my god. I'm talking to the the audience. Oh, okay. Who joined us to listen. Thanks for listening. If anyone's Thank listening. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review. Please. Yes. Please don't forget to rate and review us on on iTunes. That is how we secure a spot in the vast world of podcasts and in your heart. Help us out a lot if you did it. It's very important. It's very very important. While you're at it, please follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook at Book Squad Goals, especially Twitter, because we need more Twitter followers. Um, yeah, we're not very good at – I'm not very good at the Twitter, so. The Twitter. The Twitter. <laughs> it's just your Roger Yawn, though. Yeah. No, I didn't. I heard <laughs> it. 
<laughs> that needs to stay. And in. if you would like to write in, oh god, he farted also. <laughs> oh, Roger, no, Roger. He tried to yawn and everything just went loose. Oh my god. Well, yeah, you can write to us any comments that you may have about this episode or any other episode or blog post. Our email address is thesquad at booksquadgoals.com. And that is also our website, booksquadgoals.com. That's where you can find our blog posts. And yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Bye. Bye. Bye.